Limited mileage. Well, hello there. My name is Greg Hoy. This is my podcast, Limited Mileage. And uh, I'm talking to you from California, Northern California, at the bunker. It's evening here. I don't normally record podcast intros in the evening. I'm drinking roasted chicory root, which is my nighttime coffee substitute. Kind of tastes like raisins, maybe? Burnt raisins? I like it. Um, it's supposed to help control blood sugar. Insulin. has something in it called, like, insulin. Everyone, as of this writing, is freaked out about coronavirus, as well as the presidential election. Yesterday, in California, the general election was held. Surprises were had, hearts were broken, especially on social media. People really get into it, you know? They yell and they scream, I'm shaking my fist and here's why, and I don't know, kind of feels, feels like a big distraction. But hey, what do I know? I'm drinking hot chicory root. My guest today is a talented, lovely person, an actress, a songwriter, singer, and a stylist. Her name is September. And we start to talk about the idea of artistic identity, which I really liked because everything is so segmented now. And technology has done this as a way to sell us stuff. So add a hashtag, add some sort of adjective, and do more of that so it makes it easier to target you in ads. Here's an example. I bought a house. We bought a house. And... I get tons of ads on Instagram now for house stuff, furniture, painting things, decks, lighting. Um, I get ads for rock and roll shirts, which I just bought too. Thank you, whoever this LA company was that found me. Um, It works and they do it. But I think the downside is we're living in a massive echo chamber and even though we seem to think there's a lot of opposition to our opinions out there, we really, all of us, if you're on the Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitter, we're all part of a very small club of the technologically advanced of humanity. Wow, that's real deep, man. You're getting deep tonight. Um, what's on my mind I do I do have some things on my mind. I'm working out a bunch, very sore, trying to get healthy, trying to get healthy, stay healthy, mind, body, spirit. Not easy in these times. I think that uh, 
I think I'm actually a little excited. I like a little bit of chaos. A little bit of chaos is good. It's stressful. I know we're all stressed. I get it. Stressful times. But the chaos is good. Change is the constant. And I don't know. I, maybe I should run for office with all these slogans. How did I meet September, who you're about to hear my conversation with? Uh, we were pulling up to a hotel in Savannah, Georgia, while on the limited mileage tour. And this was, uh, let's see when this was. Must have been January. Wasn't that long ago. And I opened the back of the van and September was walking by and I had my guitar and there was an amp there and some other various stuff. There were clothes hanging and September came up to me. Unusual. People tend to mind their own business. Uh, I, I like when people don't mind their own business sometimes. And she said, Hey, what's the name of your band? And I went, well, hello, who are you? She said, everybody calls me September. And I liked her immediately. She was on tour with uh, Samo, and who's uh, he himself? I discovered after meeting her, he's a great. Uh, he reminds me of like a almost like Tricky. I don't know if you remember Tricky from the '90s. He's like a new version of that. Sorry, I'm old, people. I'm older, but he's got a real vibe going on. And she was on tour with him, uh, which we talk about as his stylist. And I reached out to her. I found her on Instagram. Here we go again. And reached out to her a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, do you want to be on my new podcast? And she was like, absolutely. Let's do it. And here it is. My chat with September. She was in Atlanta and I was in Northern California. All right. Welcome to the Limited Mileage Podcast. And I'm here today speaking from Atlanta with September. Hello, September. Hi, Greg. How are you? I'm good. I am in in uh, in the mountain house in California, and it's about 68 degrees. Oh and uh, there was a there was a group of eight turkeys that just went by my window. Wild turkeys. <laughs> wow! Awesome scenery. Are you a? Are, do you? Are, do you eat turkey? I don't eat turkey. Absolutely, I do. I mean, I pre- if we're talking Thanksgiving, I prefer yeah. ham. But yes, I eat turkey. I find it to be a very dry meat. It is kind of dry. You're right. <laughs> it's just healthier. <laughs> so I thanks for doing this podcast. I um as I told you before, the lights were on. I I met a bunch of cool people and interesting people last year when we were on the road. And you, um, wow, you had we only talked for like three minutes, and That's right. you you had this huge impact on me because well I'll t- I'll tell the story very quickly. Um. We were unloading the van at a hotel in Savannah, Georgia, mm-hmm. and you came up to me um, and you said, are you in a band? And just the fact that you took the time to like notice something, which shouldn't be rare anymore, I feel like it's getting more and more rare that people just strike up a conversation with people. Mm-hmm. And you were on tour, you were, I think you were, you were on tour with a musician, I forget his name. Yes, Samo. Right. And I checked out his stuff and you, I think you guys were going all over. How big was that tour? Well, it only lasted for about a month and a half, but uh, we pretty much covered the entire U.S. And what was your role? Because I think you told me you were a stylist, but then of course, when I 
did my research on you. I saw you were so much more. Yeah. So um, during that time, I was styling Samo and um, his one man band, whose name is Wilkes. So I was getting their outfits together and making sure aesthetically they were appealing on stage. Um, first of all, that is such a cool, I've never talked to someone that does that. That is such a cool job. Really? <laughs> How, I mean, okay, first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to call you that triple threat actress, stylist, musician. How did you fall into doing the stylist part? And then we can talk about all the other stuff. I'm just curious since that's kind of, I met you and that's what you were doing. That's right. So I have a really, really non-traditional story about how I got into styling. Uh, first of all, I can am known for dressing extremely eccentrically. And, and I, I, I will say, seeing your Instagram account, I, I can say yes, that is true. Yes, I feel, you know, in sweats and a hoodie, I feel like a fish out of water and no one recognizes me. So that's how I go in disguise. But usually people kind of know me by what I'm wearing. So... Um, my dad actually called me one day and he was doing, he was producing a um, Super Bowl commercial for the NFL. And he right said, on. Hey, I got a couple guys that are going to come in and shoot. Will you assist me? And I'm like, sure, I'll come in. So he told me to meet him at a mall and he just threw the phone to me. And I was talking to some random guy about his coat size, shoe size, belt size, and I had no clue who it was. Um, that guy hung up, and then my dad called another guy, and you know the same con- conversation went on. <laughs> so I'm in the store, and I have the storyline of what we want the commercial to look like and the theme, and I start picking out clothes according to the sizes that I was given. Right. So... Uh, Once I got the clothes, the very next day we met at the studio that my dad used to own here in Atlanta called Patchwork Studios. And we had the NFL Network come in and (laughs) I'm sitting in the studio and I'm kind of preparing the clothes as a stylist would do. You kind of set everything out in order for your clients to be able to see them clearly. And this big, loud, like six, three buff guy walks in and everybody's starstruck but me. I have no clue who this guy is. I don't keep up with football and I'm not impressed. So he has on this Louis Vuitton jacket and I'm thinking, who is this guy? So he's just like very loud and boisterous and enthusiastic. And I'm still like, okay, maybe this is my client. Another guy walks in and he's kind of the same, but a little bit more mellow. But the first guy was definitely the star of the show. Eventually I find out that these two guys are Michael Irving from the uh, Dallas Cowboys and Steve yeah. Mariucci. So That's I dressed crazy. them both. I know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> so I dressed them both. Um, we continue with the commercial. I redress them and then they disappear. The commercial comes on during the Super Bowl and that was history. After that, I never got another styling job and I, I knew that I liked it and I enjoyed what I was doing. So eventually I said, you know, I'm going to have to take the reins on this one. My dad's the type of person, he'll give me an opportunity. But after that, he kind of makes sure that I have to find a way myself. So he wouldn't help me, he wouldn't give me any contacts or anything. So um, let's see, fast forward, maybe like six months I'm on Instagram and I see a young lady who I really, really adore. Uh, She's singing at a live show and her name is Stout. 
So she's a soul artist, soul performer. And I just find her live shows to be incredible. So I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm not very, very well known, especially in the stylist world. But I literally typed her a message in her DM. And I said, hey, I see that you're coming to Atlanta. And if you would give me the honor, I would love to style you for free. So I offered my services to her for free. I was being extremely genuine. Uh, I really just wanted to be creative. And I've noticed that being creative is a thing that I need to breathe now. It used to just be a hobby, but I can go into deep depths of depression when I'm not in a creative space. Same, same. So I had to create my own creative space. So unfortunately she messaged me back and she said, sure, you know, when can we plan a fitting? So I'm shocked, first of all, because I think at this point she has like 17,000 followers on Instagram and she has a very niche audience, but um, she's slowly rising to, or quickly rising to the top. I'm sorry. And uh, I was just really surprised that she was going to give me a chance. I also noticed that the show that she was going to perform in, in Atlanta, in Atlanta, she was opening for an artist named Simone. I knew uh, nothing about Samo at all. I knew right. that I had saw a Instagram video of him singing a song called, um, wow, how can this slip my, my mind? A song called. There, he has some song that's really awesome that I can tell it's like his hit. Well, now that I kind of know him, I think all his yeah. songs are awesome. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not God. That's the video that that's I saw. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he is a very simple video. He's like just sitting in his room. The wall is the background. I remember seeing that, but I didn't know that he had such an impact on people. So they come to Atlanta. I meet them or I meet her stout at the venue. And I literally pack all of my clothes from my closet. Oh, yeah. Even my shoes. And she tells me. Like I wear a seven, she wears an eight. And I'm like, okay, maybe I can stuff her in one of these seven and a halves. (laughs) But I honestly didn't have time to grab a whole bunch of stuff. And I I wear costumes on a daily basis. So I said, maybe she'd like some of this stuff and I could mix and match and just make her look her own. So I arrived to the venue and I'm meeting her for the first time. She has an incredible personality. And we get into the restroom and I start dressing her and pinning her and adding tool to this romper. And she falls in love with what she's wearing. I ended up going into a stall and spray painting some some silver boots for her. And now her look is done. I start to pack up all of um, the clothes and I walk outside of the restroom to give her like some time. And I bump into Simone literally. And at this point I've done a little research about who he is. So I'm a little starstruck, but he was a totally different human in person. He was just so human really. Yeah. Yeah. Cause his on his online, he's got a mystique about him like Mm -hmm. in his online stuff. Absolutely. And I can even say after being on tour with him, that mystique still stands. (laughs) And I love it. I really do. Right. 
Right. So eventually, wow. oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's so much. I have questions, but if you want to keep going, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop you. Well, so I'm how, to did, how do you make the bridge? Yeah. How do you make the bridge? How do I make the bridge? So during that night, the concert goes on for maybe about three hours because he has different openers. I'm backstage. I've already dressed stout. And Samo says in the air, gosh, I wish I had someone to iron this shirt. I jump up and I say, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I love it. I said, I'll do it. And I, I told him, I, you know, I'm here for stout, but whatever you need, let me know. So I run backstage and I iron his shirt and pants. I bring it back to him. He performs. He changes in the middle of the performance and he grabs me from backstage and says, hey, I need you to help me change into the next outfit. After that, um, I really just considered myself a servant. I was being sure. genuine. Um, I was there when they needed me. And I walked out of there and I didn't ask for a dime. Two days mm -hmm. later, his manager got in contact with me. and He said, hey, we don't know you. We don't know who you are and why you came, but you're an angel. And I really want you to come on tour with us. Boom. Amazing. That's how it happened. <laughs> That's amazing. What an amazing story. Um, there's so much I want to ask you. Well, first of all, can we take it way back to the NFL story? Sure. Let me start there. Because I think I have a... I have a theory that when you are in a situation such as you were, where everyone else is starstruck or knows this person, they're at some level of notoriety, but you aren't that person, that you can hone in on exactly what needs to be done mm -hmm. and exactly how uh, you're going to best help somebody. Did you feel that that day because you weren't? Like, like you didn't, it sounds to me like you didn't have any pretense. That's very and, true. I actually think that's what helped me get the job done. Yeah. And I feel like that might be even kind of similarly when you're telling me the, the other story, which is that here you are just like seeing what needs done and stepping in. Mm -hmm. And that to me, I mean, the people, I'm going to use the word hustle because mm -hmm. I love that word. Some people don't like that word, but I lived in New York City for 12 years as a musician and a bartender and a guy with a van and a actor and like, I felt like the hustle is what kept me moving up and to the right. Listen, in New York, hustle has to be your middle name. <laughs> right. So what, tell me like, so you're stepping in, you're doing this thing all of a sudden, you know, poof, you're a stylist, let's say what, how do you sort of backtrack? And, and by that, I mean, you probably know a lot of people as I do where they say they're something, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. But then you meet these other people that just become, you know, they just kind of like manifest into something. How have you felt like now that you have that tour under your belt saying, Hey, I'm a stylist. Wow. To be honest, I had a real reality check even after the tour because, um, there are moments where I don't feel like a stylist. There are some sure. shows where I did not, um, meet the requirements. And thank God during all of this time that we were spending together with, you know, the rest of his team, we became family <laughs> and they were yeah. really forgiving. Uh, I just had to do my best. And sometimes, you know, after a long show, I would go back to the hotel room and look in the mirror. And all I saw was September, the artist or September, the musician. And mm -hmm. I felt as though I was pretending and I yep. was um, playing the role of a stylist. I know that yep. I'm very stylish 
personally. I know that I can dress myself, but learning a client um, and having to be consistent night after night to recreate a look to where it still fits them, but it's a whole nother outfit is really, really hard. So those two experiences that I had before styling Samoa uh, where it really wasn't enough for me to call myself a stylist at all. Sure. Well, don't, I mean, so, you know, there's the, there's that phrase imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and people sometimes, you know, especially after they've maybe been, I, I'm going to use the word paid after people have been paid to do something. Sometimes mm-hmm. they have that kind of existential crisis where they're like, am I really worthy quote unquote, or however you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting um, is here you are, you're, you're an actress, mm-hmm. so you can embody, you know, parts. And it, to me, it sounds like you kind of embodied what it would be to be someone's stylist. Yes, I did. And was granted the opportunity to live it in real life and not on film. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I came to that moment where I was like, okay, Um, I don't know if I really do this because it's not an easy job. One of the things that kind of kept me going was a story that he, that Samoa would tell, you know, we were, I think, going across the Brooklyn Bridge. If that even exists, I know nothing about New York. Um, (laughs) It does. You're right. Brooklyn Bridge. Nailed it. He um, tells these really bizarre stories that are super entertaining. And he said he was talking to everybody in the car. The drummer was driving. I'm beside the manager and one of the producers in the back. And he said, you know, I remember when I was called to a set uh, for a male uh, whose name is Luke James. And he was the only one allowed in the dressing room because the rest of the staff were females. So he served as Luke James's stylist maybe Mm. three to five years ago. And he said the entire time he was dressing Luke James, he had to remind himself that, you know, he's serving right now, but he's an artist. And one day someone will be styling him. Yep. That's great. So I would take that story and I would tell myself, you know, it's, it's so okay to be, to serve, to be in a season of serving and still knowing who you are and not being afraid to, Uh, articulate that to anyone who's around. I think it's interesting too, when people, people hand us something and we don't maybe see it as the opportunity at the time until years later. Like Mm -hmm. I look back on moments in my life where people gave me a responsibility Mm -hmm. to, to serve them or to be in a role that, that would help support them in some shape or form. And at the time I didn't, I think I, in some ways, maybe I felt similar to you where I would have these moments where I'm like, like I remember being recording a band in Brooklyn and I never called myself a recording engineer, but I had the gear and I had done, you know, I had done it for myself and it's the first time someone's asking me to do it and they're paying me to do it. And I remember stepping back at one point being like, I I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like, how are they trusting me to like capture their music? And then they're actually going to give me a few hundred bucks when it's all right. said and done. It feels like stealing. <laughs> it, yes. It, or it feels, you know what I think it is actually, I think for me, I think it was programming in that I was programmed that to be successful in X, you had to have learned in school. Why? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. 
there was this thing that I, that, you know, I was brought up with where it was like, you're only an expert if you've opened that book. (laughs) Whereas the older I get, the more I realize it's kind of the opposite. Like you're like you, you're brilliantly, you're like, I'm going to go to my closet, grab my clothes Mm -hmm. and style this person. (laughs) And there's no, there's no manual out there that tells you that that that's what makes you good at something. That's right. So take me back. You said your dad, it sounds like you came up in a family where your creativity was encouraged. Oh, absolutely. I actually was really shocked when I reached college and found out that there was such thing as um, unsupportive parents. I had no clue what that meant. Uh, I've always been pushed to be the person that I am. And from both of my parents, really, I mean, this is the story that I tell people. You know, my parents are so supportive that if I confess, hey, mom, dad, I want to experience being a homeless person next week, they'd literally say, okay, which bridge will be there every <laughs> Sunday with the plane? Just like that. Sorry, I'm laughing. That's an amazing, that, that's an amazing like support that. network. <laughs> it is. That's how supportive they've been. I mean, honestly, and it, it has, it has. Uh, enabled me in ways because I never hear them say no. They've let me do anything, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yep. They've, they've literally allowed me to um, explore life. And I think that it's one of the things that is the reason why I'm such a happy person. I'm happy with my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was obvious in the, in the three minutes I spent with you that you were, <laughs> you were a a vibrant, fulfilled, positive person, which was why I was attracted to you and, and wanted to wanted to know you. I think to go along those lines, I had a similar reckoning when I went to school and I, you know, I met people from broken homes or I met people who had um, no support from their parents mm-hmm. because I grew up in a very similar environment where I, you know, I was creative from, from, from who knows, like the, the first moments. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, luckily I had an artist mother who understood that mindset and and encouraged me. Do you think that the giving back piece is a part of that? Like, do you think that that piece where you're willing to just kind of go and jump in, do you think that that comes from that sort of, um, I don't know, what's the word positivity, um, from when we're very young? Hmm. I know that my heart is too giving and I've observed my parents to see if this is where it's coming from. Um, I, I'd agree with that statement. I would. It probably happened somewhere along my childhood and it has helped and hurt me in my mm-hmm. adult. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to say I've done some therapy. I'm, I'm one of those people. And one of the big words I had to learn years ago was boundary. I needed to set my boundaries. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, when you're the type of person that does like kind of do all these different things, I now am very focused around, okay, how am I going to identify myself in this moment doing this thing mm-hmm. so that I feel that um, when I am p- doing my output and doing the energy that I'm making sure I'm getting something out of it for self. Because I think sometimes you can kind of go too far to one level or the other. What oh, got what got you into acting? Like how did acting become this thing that you're like, this is, this is something I want to do. So music actually got me into acting. Um, got it. I was always told after shows, Oh my God, you're, you're so expressive and you're like yeah. a character on stage. So I said, Oh, 
okay, I thought that I was just being me. And I remember, you know, the same way that I hit up Stout and was just like, hey, can I style you? I saw a casting um, that had like the auditions were already over for a play called The Lipstick Monologues. And I put a comment on underneath the post and I said, oh, man, I'm so mad I missed this. Um, Please let me know about the auditions next year. And the director um, replied to me and said, can you come in tomorrow to audition? (laughs) <laughs> so that was my very first play. It was um, directed by Audrey Ori, and that's how I got into acting. After that, Amazing. I said, "Okay, this needs to be my mon- my minor in college," so I continued yeah. to pursue it. Yeah, it's not. Um, I agree. Like I and my wife says this all the time. She says she always says you're such a great performer, mm-hmm. and it's such an interesting thing to hear that because. For me, as a musician, because you know you're always—I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm always craving a little bit of. You know, give me a little bit of accolade. Give me a little bit of praise. That's part of my creative mind. (laughs) I like she'll say something like you're such a good performer or anyone will say that. And, you know, my instinct is to be like, yeah, but what about my music? (laughs) (laughs) What about the songs? You know what? But actually, for someone to say you're such a good performer, it encapsulates Mm -hmm. so much more than that. Mm, Okay. Like, I feel like when people tell me that, you know, they enjoy watching me perform, that means everything else that I'm worried about is actually okay. Because the performance, the performance piece is going to be the thing that is actually what people are going to take away. I think. That's right. I think I had the same syndrome. I had, I had started to tell myself and other people, I don't really see myself as a singer. I'm Mm. a performer. And I like to this day, I really don't think that I can really sing. I just can entertain. And I think that I have, um, cast a spell on everybody in the audience and they think I can sing because the performance is so um, exhilarating. <laughs> well, you know, this is because before the mics were on, you know, we talked a little about like, oh, like the website and the social mm-hmm. media and the self-identity in that mm-hmm. space. And I think I, for years, have had issues with that for very similar reasons where I do feel like I do a lot of stuff. And for me to sit down and like kind of rank who I am at any given time is sort of, it's a very difficult thing to do. And then you get into like, for the last tour we did, I talked with a, you know, a PR company who I worked with and they're like, you know, like I'm kind of giving them everything, right? You, that's what you do up front with these folks. You like kind of throw the, the kitchen sink at them and then they try to distill it down to like a sentence that describes you. Mm-hmm. And what you realize, what I realized, um, which is funny how late in my career I realized it, is I can still be all those things. It's just to get people to know who I am, I need to give them something very easy. <laughs> like right. people want that like quick thing, you know? Uh huh. They can't swallow it all. And we know that we're so much and you're trying to give them everything and they can't even comprehend it. So a lot of times they lose interest. Yep. And that's that's also been one of my biggest challenges. You know, I'm a different person um, outside of being online. And I've even gotten some of the people that actually have my best interest at heart have expressed this to me like, hmm, I don't know if this online September is who you really are. Or I don't know if you're expressing every facet of who you are. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think now more than ever, things are so sliced and diced and they, you know, they need to know the demographic and who are you, who are you pushing towards and what are you trying to get? And it's, it's kind of, um, it's a little overwhelming for me. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that I'm getting, you know, older and more curmudgeonly, or if it's like, I, as much as I want to find an audience for the stuff I do, I also have to still be true to myself. So I can't, you know, it's not, it's not that easy. And it's, it's, it's exactly what we were talking about. It's like, how do you put on a website that you're all these things, you know? That's true. Um, I think it has nothing to do with age. I think that as artists, we have a duty and our perception online is not our job. Unfortunately, right. independent artists, we can't always afford to have a team of right. art agents that, you know, um, get the look and the image right. And so we have to do it on our own. And if it's not our job and it's not our expertise, we don't really know what we're doing. Right. So right. And, and then it's, it's like, you know, I, I put out a lot of songs, a lot of videos. I put out a lot of stuff. You know, I have a mm-hmm. podcast. And, you know, every time, every time I throw something up against the social media wall, I have to sort of care and not care all at the same time. Because mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm hanging too much of my identity on likes or subscribers or retweets or however you want to look at that, I kind of lose focus for why I'm doing it in the first place. That's right. So many times I have to stop myself, you know, when I finally get my creative juices flowing, the first thing I want to do in a session or rehearsal is turn on live. And it really distracts me as much as I want to, you know, show everybody that I'm working right now and I'm doing it and I'm getting there. It's a huge distraction and you do forget why you're doing it. Limited mileage. It's funny when you, um, not to take it back to that NFL thing that happened, but it is funny when people meet, like when you meet people and you know them for this one thing, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whether it's a song or video or a movie or whatever. And the thing that people always say is, wow, this person's so normal. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the word people always use when they meet celebrities. Mm-hmm. This person's so normal. And you just, you realize what a one dimensional uh, angle we have Mm. when it, when it comes to that, because it's one way, you know, as much as someone might be replying to your tweets or responding to your Instagram, it's still, you're putting it out or the artist is putting it out and then people are going to react to it the way they do. Yeah. And you have to be okay with however they react to it. And honestly, you know, it's easier said than done. (laughs) No, for sure. For sure. Have you, have you had a situation? I mean, you just mentioned like your Instagram and your friends are saying, Hey, is this really you? Mm -hmm. Like talk a little about how, like, like how do you process that? And like, what's like maybe some steps you've, you've taken or, or, or thinking about taking to try to like, you know, maybe boil down a little better, you know, how you look at your identity, your public identity. Okay, so this is a thing that I have really struggled with. Actually, when I get feedback on this topic, it bothers me a lot. So I recently spoke with, um, we were in a a hotel in LA. It was the last show um, of the tour. We did the Sayers Club and everybody was on a high. And we're sitting in the the hotel room and I'm about to go back to my hotel room. And um, I'm talking to Samo's manager. And he points at a a portrait on the wall of a silhouette of a woman with a fedora on. He says, September, that's you. And I said, huh? And he was like, that's how I feel about you. I feel like 
as much time as we, you know, we've slept on floors and, and really hustled throughout this tour. And I thought that yeah, we were yeah. getting to know each other. And he said, um, I still feel like I don't know you. And people hmm. don't like people that they don't know or don't, you know, want to be. When you when you are establishing relationships, you want to know people. Yeah. At that time, like, you know, he didn't know my government name and he didn't know how old I was. And he was just like, there's still something about you that's really, really mysterious. And I said, oh, my God, Quincy, that really hurts me because I've been trying to show the best parts of me and um, trying to just be really down to earth. And it's one of the things that I've kind of had to let go because yeah. there's a mystique about me as well. And I need to accept the fact that maybe that's not a bad thing. I think so, it's a great thing. Well, thank you because I, went I do about it and I appreciated his um, very blunt opinion, but I yeah. had to say, you know, this is who I've been and I get that all the time. Everybody mm. says the same thing. So either I can be the artist that says, Oh my God, does that mean that I'm really fake or mm. does it mean that this is who I am? And, you know, I'm, I'm religious and spiritual and sometimes I just boil it down to, you know, God had to conceal Moses for three months before people realized that he was a Hebrew boy. Yeah. And when you think about everything that Moses accomplished at the end of his life, now you see why important, why it was so important to conceal his identity in those mm -hmm. years. So I'm not Moses, but <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that the reason for all of this and the reason why I can't, you know, unveil all of my layers, even though I'm trying to do it so um, sure. consistently and it's not working and people are still seeing this silhouette of a woman with a fedora. I just let it go and say, hey, it's not my problem. Well, let me tell you something, September. So many people try to do what you achieve naturally with that yeah. like i can think of so many people that and you know them you see them you know online or you know their 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 peers on some level musically or artistically and you see them trying to build this thing mm -hmm. that is not it's so unnatural mm. you know <laughs> and um it's it's embarrassing i'm always embarrassed for when i see that mm -hmm. and it, you know, it's it's never to me. It's never my place unless it's someone that I'm very close to, to to say, "Hey, I think you need to take a step back." Mm, okay. <laughs> so, if anything, to me, that that is something that is it, it's it's very special and rare. That you, it sounds like to you know what little I know about you, it sounds like it comes naturally to your who you are. It does, and I, I just can't help it. So you know, the things you can't help, can't change. You just accept. Well, I can see where in that situation, especially since you've been like in the, you know, in the trenches for weeks on tour, yes. where when that comes out at you, that is a moment for reflection where, I mean, if it was said to me in a similar situation, I think I'd be like, wait, am I not giving enough? Am I not giving enough of myself in this particular arrangement or space? It feels like, mm -hmm. yeah. But the other side of that is when, you know, look from my point of view and from how it, it, it appears your role was in that, that's actually, to me, it sounds like a huge compliment. Oh, thank you. Well, I, that's, look, that's where the period goes. Greg Hoy, this has been great. I thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm kidding. You bet. I'm kidding. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> no, I'm just definitely going to take that as an accolade. Yeah.
What um you know I, we're talking a lot about the stylist and the and the acting, but I I do I you know I'm a musician like first and foremost I feel like I am a songwriter and I'm a musician. Talk to me a little about that and um you know what's what's some of the drivers you have when it comes to the, the musical side of your personality. Okay, so even though I feel as though I am all of those things, if I had to say if God came down and said September you have to be one, I'm gonna pick being a musician and a performer. Yeah. Um, it's been a long journey and I try not to get discouraged. Um, as I'm getting older, like I said, I'm realizing that I have to create my own creative spaces. So as of right now, it's been so long since I've been able to put a song out. It has nothing to do with procrastination has nothing to do with a team. I think at, at some point I was in my own way I don't think I'm there anymore. So currently I've been trying my best to record an EP. I have a lot of songs that I've written in the shower and <laughs> it's time for them to come out of me because when those things lay dormant, uh, you know, as musicians, we need to express how we feel. And that's, that's the medium in which we do that. We yep. record those songs. And one of my biggest things, a part of that process is, not only recording it, but releasing it because it's your baby and you're so close to it. Releasing it in a way, in two different ways, distributing distributing it to your listeners, but also letting it go sentimentally. And because these songs have not been recorded, I, I, I hate to use this um, metaphor, but I always say it to the producers that I'm using. I feel like I'm pregnant and yeah. I've been pregnant yeah. for about three, four years now. And these babies are growing and it's just really, really time for me to give birth. Yeah. The worst feeling ever. So that's the season that I'm in right now. Um, my plans, um, are to release a five song EP about the things that I've been through throughout this journey. And the songs are incredible. The only thing, uh, the only time that I've heard these songs back to me is playing them live at shows. I've never heard them in the studio. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. excited about. Oh yeah. And that's such a, I mean, talk about a, a, an amazing moment when you have like, when you get to that part where it's kind of together in mm -hmm. the studio and you just hear it back and like you see, you feel, I mean, in some ways I think you're talking, we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking in pregnancy metaphors. You feel a little, for me, I feel a little postpartum depression after it's done. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I think, I, I'm with you. Um, I think for years I put out a lot. I put out a lot, and I did. I did a double record, double vinyl record, two about two and a half years ago, which is part of what I've been touring around. But what I realized was that is its own thing now, and those songs kind of live live. Mm -hmm. And that those 22 songs, like that's that's like a, a big that's like a bookmark for me. And when I first did it, because you know as well as I do, like the idea of dist distribution and how you get people to listen to your stuff is so different. It's changed so much, even in the last three or four years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, actually, I, I blame Instagram for a lot of this, for better or worse, because the attention spans have gone from I'll sit down and watch a three minute video to I want to hear a thirty second song clip. <laughs> Well, and, and and I think when I got out of that mindset, um, which to me the way I push through what it sounds like you're going through from, for years, I would just put out a lot of stuff. I just put out a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and in doing that, what I think I sacrificed was the stuff that I really was like, okay, 
what do I want other, like, this is for me, but what do I really want other people to pay attention to? Right. And, and that's kind of where I've, like, I've kind of taken my catalog over the last couple of years. Um, the last EP we did, we released was in the fall when we were touring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked to people and they're like, you know, just put out, put out a video for one of the songs and then push that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's, to me, there's like the two sided thing where I want to get it all out. And then there's the other side, which is how do I do this in a way that is not so overwhelming and more welcoming for people to check it out? Yes. I feel like we're on two different sides of the coin, though. I wish I had a season where all I was doing was putting things out, even (laughs) even if they were meaningless. But uh, that's where I struggle. I've put out nothing like my, you know, I had a song on the radio that did very well a couple of years back. And that's my greatest triumph, you know, but I know that I have so much more to offer. Yeah. Not to interrupt your greatest triumph so far. So far, thank you. <laughs> there, dot dot dot. This yeah. Is fun. <laughs> well, I have, you know, I think you get to a point where you see pinnacles, you know, and I've seen some moments in my career and as an artist where I can be like, that was a good time. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I think the moment that I think that's all behind me is the moment I should just do something else. Mm. You know, like go into like fishing. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask, where do you go? Where do you go at that time? Well, that's the thing. And I think, you know, someone, people like us that have a lot of different, you know, irons in the creative fire, um, you know, we just bought a house. And honestly, like the idea of furnishing this house right now and, 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 and rebuilding my studio from scratch, like that's fulfilling that creative need. And I haven't, I haven't written a song. I'll bet I haven't written a song for two years right now. Now, I have songs that I've recorded that are sitting in the can because I had that productive period Mm -hmm. that I'm going to slowly put out over the next, you know, 18 months. Mm -hmm. But the idea of the creative, that part of it, like I'm being satisfied in all these other ways. And I guarantee you one of these days, all of a sudden I'm going to sit down with a pen and all of a sudden there's going to be new songs. So, you know, it, it sounds to me like, you know, you're ready. You're ready to like unleash. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any plans? Like, have you booked any studio time? Like, what's the, like, do you have an action plan for it? I hate to use that phrase, but sometimes a deadline is exactly what I need. That's right. I'm kind of in the midst of it right now. Um, So as far as my plans go for this year, I just decided to buckle down and do what I know that um, is accessible to me and that I've accomplished before. So actual sessions, um, recording a song, like the radio edit of it, for some reason won't happen. I just can't get the right people together. So what I said is, September, you put on a dang good live show. So take it old school get the band in the studio and record the album live. I said, we'll do a video element, the audio element simultaneously, and we'll put it out that way because the goal is to get the music out. So if it's not going to be from track to track, you know, I'm already a non-traditional chick. I said, why not do it that way? It's something refreshing. Um, It's new, but it's also a classic way of putting music out. So actually this Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, uh, we've rented out a very nice studio. I have the band coming. I have three horns and I have a set designer and we're going to create the full 30 minute video. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. That is so exciting. Yeah. Well, congrats to having a deadline. You made it, you made it happen. Right. 
it's been a long time coming. So I am looking forward to Saturday. I don't know if you're a podcast listener, but there is a podcast out there and it's Andre 3000 with Rick Rubin. Have you listened to it? Wait, so is it only one episode? Because I've seen a little bit of that, but does it? It's just, it's just them in conversation. I feel like it might be two parts. It's a couple of hours, but it, I think I'm telling you, I think you need to listen to it ASAP. Wow, I sure will. I because sure Rick Rubin, I mean, he's holding Andre three thousand to the fire about where are you, man? You know, like we all want you. We want your we want your art back in the world. And to be honest, the 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 conversation itself is so raw. Mm-hmm. And especially as a fellow creator, I, I was I was in tears during a couple parts of it. Wow. Yeah, just just tremendous. The energy of those two talking about the creative process was, I was driving because, you know, as you know, when you're on tour, you have a lot of time driving Oh yes. um, and, and, you know, finding a podcast, you know, I, I crave those sort of how the sausage is made artistic mm-hmm. conversations that people have. Oh, that really excites me. I can't wait to listen to it. I know I've seen a clip. Yeah, I saw a yeah. little bit of the the rawness and realness that you're alluding to, but I can't mm-hmm. wait to listen to hours of it. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty incredible. It's one of those things you're like, please don't stop. <laughs> keep talking, keep talking. Yeah. Well, when I mean, tell me a little, like, when are we? When are you thinking? Like, how can we? How can we promote a little bit since we have this conversation together? When the next thing's gonna be launched? Like, do you have any ideas on that? Well, I'm thinking this summer, those are some of the dates that I don't have. I know that I'm a very impulsive person and I have put things out um, prior to uh, when they needed to be revealed. So I'm actually practicing to kind of conceal everything and actually do it the right way because I'm really into seasons and making sure that things happen when they're supposed to happen. So hopefully when it does happen, I feel that it was it's it was it's time to come out. It's so hard when you get excited about something not to just like barf it out all over the internet right away. Everyone check this out. It's so exciting. But then to your point, you got to sort of like get a little Zen about it. That's right. And I've already recorded a a promotional video for it and it looks so good and it makes me feel great. And even today I was thinking, Oh, let me post something on Instagram. And I passed by that video and I almost pressed it. And I said, heck no, it's not time for that. yet." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel like you and I are very similar in many ways. I do too. I don't want to, I can't not end the episode without asking you about the name September. (laughs) Is it a story you want to tell? Sure. Um, It's actually just a really simple story that I usually don't tell. Um, I remember when I discovered, like, okay, I'm a musician now and I need a stage name. I called my, I was in the 10th grade and I called my mom and I said, what do you think about Candy Apple? (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, "Uh, no, because we had been talking about names at home. And one day she called me. And me and my mom were really, really close. We finished each other's sentences and we were talking about the name and we literally said September at the same time. Now, of course, I was born in September. Before I took the last name off, I used to be September 15th because that is my birthday. So that's the more, you know, 
basic story around the name, but we did. I feel like God named, renamed me September. And I would always compare it to books in the Bible where after he kind of puts people through a challenge and, you know, I think he stuck Jacob in the, in the side with a thorn. And when he was done with that battle with God, his name was Israel. So I was like, okay, September is the, the new, newfound girl. And it works so well. I love the way it's spelled. <laughs> what, um, before we do the last, I have the grateful eight, which are the last eight questions that I ask okay. everyone. Uh, how can people find you on the social? Are you on the Instagram uh, right now? Yes, I'll be changing my Instagram name back to at September underscore when we get off of this podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. And and you're you're easy to find after that. Absolutely. You can also find me at www.september.com. Make sure you spell it with a Y. That's S-E-P-T-Y-M-B-E-R. And we got a we got a whole movie about the making of the new EP coming out, which I'm That's very right. excited to see. A whole documentary. Right. <laughs> now, uh, James Lipton, who hosted Inside the Actor's Studio, just passed away this week. No way! Yeah, he just passed, and I stole uh, this idea from him. So I just wanted to give him props and thanks. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely! Because at the end of every Inside the Actor's Studio episode, he would ask the same couple questions, and I. Do the same thing, except these are the grateful questions. So are you ready for the grateful Apeful? I'm ready. September, here we go. Question one. What is the greatest concert you've ever seen? Greatest concert I ever, I've ever seen. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> wow. Have I, oh, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga at the Phillips Arena was incredible. We had on the same outfit. What? Yep. I do that a lot, though. Every concert I go to, the artist is dressed like me. It's weird. I don't think that's weird. I think that's magic. That is magic. <laughs> Question two. What is the greatest meal you've ever eaten? So my mom makes this stuffed chicken, and there's like spinach delight inside of the chicken. I love stuffed cheese things. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of cheese involved, and I actually... I don't know how she titles it. So I'm like, mom, make that spinach delight stuff. I like that spinach delight. Mm -hmm. Question three. What is the greatest moment you've had since becoming your business? Wow. I, about two weeks ago, I went back to my hometown, which is Sylvania, Georgia. And I followed my gut to this it's um, abandoned road called Rifle Road, and I literally saw a shooting star. They're so beautiful. Every time you see one, it's it's a miracle. I thought it was rare. I thought it was like my thing. What do you mean? You've seen one? I've seen a few, but what? you have to you have to be in the right spot. It has to be at the right time. The universe has to put you in the right spot right when that star is shooting. Well, that happened. Number four. What is the greatest compliment you've ever been given? I hear this one a lot. A lot of people identify me by my voice. And I like when people say that I speak articulately. You do have a great voice. I should have been on the news, you know? It's never too late. You can add a, add a fourth career there. Look, my degree's in journalism, so I can always go to some news station. <laughs> We just watched um, this this TV show called The Morning Show, mm -hmm. which was kind of loosely based on the whole Matt Lauer sex scandal that happened mm -hmm. a few years ago. 
Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I could have been a weatherman. Right. Because you have a news voice too, Greg. Well, I like, I like the fun stuff. Like I like going out and talking to people and Hey, it's the weather. Who hates the weather? Right. (laughs) Okay. Question five. What is your greatest time of year? Let me be honest. My greatest time of year. This is so conceited. My birthday, September. I don't think that's conceited at all. And I think I love it because my mom's birthday is two days after mine. So big celebration time. Yep. We celebrate on the 16th. Question six. What is the greatest year of your life so far? The greatest year of my life, no lie, has been 2020. I've literally changed as a person and I can't believe my stubborn self, stubborn self has changed. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. Mm -hmm. The other great answer that I've heard is uh, it hasn't happened yet, but I think the, I think the present is actually the best one to say. That's true. Question seven. What is your greatest regret? Going to college. Oh, good one. I wasted a lot of money and a lot of time. But I learned a lot and I know that it was a stepping stone. But if I could do it again, heck no. I tell people that all the time. Like when I'm mentoring young, really young people that are like looking for, I'm like, get out of school, Mm -hmm. go work, spend your time learning and making money versus learning and spending money. That's right. And you're not really learning. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I mean, the whole idea of apprenticeship, which existed for so long before the for money college system came about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it's a beautiful thing. I agree. Are you ready for the last question? I am. What is the greatest advice you've ever gotten or can give? The greatest advice I've ever gotten for me personally was to get out of my own way. And the greatest advice that I can give is to dress up as you on purpose and go out somewhere. Uh, I really, really pride myself on communicating um, non-verbally by the things that I wear. And when I walk into a room, it usually tells everybody who I am and it makes me feel like a rock star. I love it. I'm going to take that advice next time I go out. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm on Weight Watchers right now because I gained a little weight on the tour last year. You're not the only one. (laughs) September, I have, I'm not kidding. I bet I have 20 fly shirts that I bought on tour last year and they're all one size too small. And I did that on purpose to give myself a goal. So you can get into them. I love that. Yeah. Well, hopefully, or else I'm donating them all in six months when I can't lose the weight. (laughs) Just send them to me. I'll cut them up and make a dress or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, September, this was lovely. Thank you for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me, honestly. Yeah. I'm going to come next time I'm in Atlanta. We're going to have to like have a meal. Absolutely. Yes. Please call me. We can get together anytime. All right. Can't wait. Thank you so much, Greg. Shout out to you. Oh, I totally cut September off. She said, shout out to the Limited Mileage Podcast. And then I said, thank you, September. And thank you for doing this. 
Subscribe at iTunes. Leave us a review. It helps. Check us out on Spotify, Google Play, and of course, Anchor FM. See you next time. Limited mileage.